Welcome back to the AEC Hive, where we're talking about innovation in architecture, engineering, and construction. I'm Ralph Montague, director at ArcDocs and co-founder of the AEC Hive. I'm joined by my fellow co-founder, John Egan. John, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. This is John Egan, CEO of BIM Launcher and co-founder at AEC Hive. Looking forward to today's discussion. We're very excited today to be joined by Paul Surin, who's the global lead of Built Environment and BIM at IBM. He's also in the Center of Competence for IBM's Industry Academy, and he's an associate partner at IBM in Great Britain, UK, Ireland, in the engineering, procurement, construction sector. Paul, you're very welcome to the AC Hive podcast. Maybe just to get started, you might give everyone a bit of background of where you come from and what you're doing at the moment, and we can take it from there. Sure, yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I am I joined IBM about two years ago. Um, yeah, as you said, globally leading now built environment and BIM, but genuinely across different sectors, construction, manufacturing, infrastructure operations. I spent probably about five and a half years working for Wienerberger as their head of digital built environment. And uh, pre-Wienerberger, I spent some time working in a, in a, for a construct, large construction company in the UK. I have been very active in the standardization work and the obviously the sent EC442 around the topic specifically around the data topic product data topic and most recently I've been working with Sue Butcher Patricia Macy and Rick Hartwick on the plain language guide for manufacturers which has been supported by IBM and led by the IET so that's a bit about me yeah excited to be here very good that's exciting work is it fair to say, based on your experience, that you've really come at BIM from the product manufacturer's side, which is which is very interesting because I suppose everybody's been talking about BIM from the design, engineering, from the sort of top-down approach. Uh, but, of course, buildings and infrastructure are collections of materials and products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's really where it's kind of broken down for so many years is that the information about those materials and products has been disorganized and very difficult to get. To do you think we have the the industries back to front? Like we you know we we spend a lot of time producing design information, construction information, which is basically redundant information when you get down to the actual materials and products that are used to buildings and infrastructure. And do you, so, do you think we need to turn things on its head and start with products and materials? And yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, when I when I used to work at Wienerberger. Um, and even back in 2015-16, when we when I got involved with BIM for M2, we always been saying that there's no things like BIM Level 2 or you know BIM probably according to ISO 19650 for manufacturers. They manufacturers usually do care about the data and how you feed uh, you know into the different phases of a project. I don't think it is possible just to obviously. It's not feasible that you would specify, obviously, right at the beginning, but I think with the work which has been going on around the data templates, data standardization, creating a common technical language. So as soon as we have a common technical language and understand the what's, what's happening in the market and we kind of have breaking down the silos into more a collaborative kind of platform of platforms approach, if you want to call it, then, then possibly we can we can change things. I, th- I think right now, if you look at 
the BIM level to mandate because April 2016, do we have 80% of the industry there? I don't, I don't think so. And I think fundamentally the problem is the SMEs. Obviously the SMEs being forgotten genuinely around this, not just manufacturers, but genuinely SMEs. So back to your question. Yes, I think we need to looking at a much more wider co collaboration using a common technical digital language, really making sure we can start kind of modul modularizing, we can look at the modern methods of constructions, but we need that information needs to be available in a structured information in an interoperable format. And I, th I don't think that's been done. I mean, even if you think about the digital data standard to create the common technical language, it's only been out there for about eight months. All the other standards, all the work around ISO 12006 part, part 3, you know, the 19650s, they kind of used to run the show. But then I always say we kind of forgot about the language, the digital common technical digital language. You can have all sorts of tools, all sorts of technology in place, all sorts of standards. But if you don't have the common language, the communication language, then it's not going to happen. And I think mm. that's why I believe the... EN ISO 23386 and 23387 about basically how we create the common technical digital language would be a is a key breaker in my opinion. You had some interesting points there. I've just got lots of questions buzzing around my head now. But uh, one was around the SMEs, and you know when you think of SMEs in the sector that you know, are busy all day and they come home at night, you know, probably the last thing they want to do is read an ISO standard on product data standards and uh, or, or any standards <laughs> you know just want to have a good sleep and get if get to can the, afford them so you know, like we're interested in your thoughts around how you know how to get these standards implemented and into the hands of let's say normal people that are just doing day-to-day -day jobs you know like I, we, we use the analogy often on this show about things people do like order pizzas online and order mm. plane tickets. You know, like n nobody had to read a standard or exactly. all, all those systems are using common data structures behind them to function. Mm. And, uh, yeah, how do we do that for construction? How do we make, I think, I th make, make, make construction as easy as ordering a pizza? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we just really need to look at this democratizing of the, the entire digital landscape. So... You, it, it needs to be as easy as using App Store or your app on your mobile phone. I use an app because I like it. I'm happy to pay for it because it does the job. If it doesn't do the job, the service to me, I'll just delete it and find another application. And I think if you look at, we have a, some uh, some players around the, the the arena who jumped on it, being it uh, related to BIM objects, different data pools, different project management tools if it's common data environment, it, it's all kind of very fragmented and everyone is kind of doing a piece of puzzle, uh, disconnected. And what, what we ended up is that the SMEs just don't understand it. They've been asked, well, use this application. Then other someone else is asking them to use something else. Someone else asking ask them to use something else and it's all disconnected. So they can't even learn from it. They can't even improve because they don't even probably get a feedback as an SME. You just provi provide me this information on Excel and send it somewhere. So I think I think it really needs to be something as easy like uh, an App Store or a Google Play, where I just can basically log in somewhere as an SME. I can just provide my information only once, and I can share it with multiple stakeholders, and I can pick and choose what I like to use. 
and I, I wouldn't, and, and my, and also SMEs should not be forced to use like big bundles. Like we've had the recent open letter to Autodesk, obviously. And, and, and there is something about it. I mean, if I want to use just, if I'm just say a small kind of player in the supply chain, I'm an important player, but I don't, I don't want to be buying into big, big kind of bundles of softwares and, uh, and, implementing it and then going to next project where someone else will tell me I'm using a different software. So I think, I think this is where is, where the trick is. Make it as easy as possible to access it, making it almost even as a pay as you go. Because if I have two, three products as a manufacturer, I don't need a big uh, information management system. Or even if I'm a bricky, I, I just, I just need to give the, you know, the sign of sheet and then, and that's it, isn't it? As, as, kind of part of my kind of uh, handover of the information, if we call mm-hmm. it. And maybe make it also part of the toolbox talks as well. I mean, you know, some something we do health and safety, let's do an information management toolbox talks. This is what I need from you at the end of the day. Take a picture of a cavity wall and hand it over before you swipe out your CSCS. And, I'll, and then the site manager provides the information to their system. So... Yeah, there's different ways around it, but it definitely needs to be simple. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, you know, nothing gets constructed or comes into being, if you like, without information. It's not as if you you just send people to a site and say start building, you know, and figure it out while you're going along, because mm. that that would be a disaster. Like people wouldn't mm. be wouldn't know what to do, and mm. you know, they could start building, but they'd end up making a mess because mm-hmm. there's no instructions. So information is at the, the core of everything that gets made. Now, often that information is poor quality, and I think that's one of the, the problems is the industry has learned to work with poor quality information and fill in the gaps based on their knowledge and expertise. You know, so they've learned to work around poor quality information, and, and so in their maybe in their minds they think, well, mm-hmm. we don't need – we don't actually need good quality information because we know how to build with, with poor quality information. Is that, yeah. would, would you say that's a kind of an attitude out there that, you know, why do you need good information? Um, we know how to build. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think there is that bit if you the, – the issue might be also because y- you have that attitude if you are not being shown what else is out there and what's better. And I think genuinely the topic around digital transformation of the built environment has been, it's been a bit all over the place. So there's a lot of bus going on. We jump in from different BIM levels to frameworks, then digital twins. And, and, and it is difficult because at the end of the day for that builder or for that construction company, they have to deliver on time on budget, which is very difficult because you look at the average margins of contractors are very low. So they are actually in this kind of almost as uh, it's this spiral, isn't it? Never ending spiral. And there is no clear direction that, okay, the industry goes this way. There is a something where, which you can get on and it will be there. So it's, there's a like, I don't know, 10, 20 year strategy. And I think, again, I always say that you have every two years or every year there's a new buzzword. There's, you know, digital twin, digital twin hub. You have golden thread. But then if you are a builder, you just don't understand what it is. So where should I go? I mean, I recently had a manufacturer asking me, can we can we make sure that you make our system golden thread compliant? I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, that's that's what's going on on the market. It's not like I, I don't like the idea of where. 
we've been presented the, the McKinsey tables where construction is last and it's poor. Well, there is a reason for that because obviously construction is fragmented genuinely, but we have physical moving things part uh, in different places and it's difficult to kind of digitize that process entirely because the process is so fragmented. So in my opinion, there needs to be a industry needs to come together, it needs to be pushed and there needs to be some co- cross collaboration between maybe technology companies, between the industry, regulators. And in only this way, then the traditional contractor would believe it because they would say, okay, well, so they are movers, so let's move, let's move as well. Mm-hmm. And, and they are, it's not like they are some technology service. I mean, you, you look at brickies, every contractor, they all using, you know, apps, they are using their, you know, smartphones and they, they have probably at home all sorts of stuff. Um, around tech, they had used technology in day to day business, you know, even if they drive to work, they have a car full of tech, probably some of them. So it's just how you, how you kind of uh, present it. And if it's, if it's kind of part of new normal, then they'll just get on with it. Well, and that's the thing. I suppose we all use computers day to day. Uh, so the, the big problem is the print button because at the end of the day, we print, we print it out and, you know, then it doesn't matter anymore whether what standards you used or anything as long as the paper's white and the ink is black and you, you've you handed over your sheet of paper, you've done your job and off you go and you can do the next job. One of the frustrating things I found as an architect is that the information that I spent a lot of time and effort producing eventually became redundant. And I actually found this out talking to a contractor uh, after I left architecture and became a BIM consultant. We were talking about door schedules and you know, every architect hates producing window and door schedules because it's a really tedious mm-hmm. and mundane task and trying to keep them updated. And, and the contractor said to me, oh, no, we never use architects' door schedules. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and yeah. he said, well, I'd never never trust an architect. I'd, I'd, I'd go to my door supplier and let them produce the schedule. And uh, that's what we would use to build it. And I thought that was amazing that so much time is going into producing information that eventually becomes redundant and you know, contractors are saying they can't use the information that designers produce and building operators are saying mm-hmm. that they can't, they can't use the information that the contractors produce and everybody's having to reproduce information over mm-hmm. and over again. And um, so what's the answer to that? I mean, why, why haven't the IBMs and the Googles and the Microsofts <laughs> of this world solved our information problems for us? Well, probably the answer is because it's such a, there are other industries which are obviously offers better return on investment possibly, but I would say it is, it is just going to change because obviously IBM is now working, has been working with the industry alongside with Red Hat, Co-Builder and industry players like Semex, Eden, Icebuck, Element Materials and some others to really bring out a horizontal platform to the industry and, re- and really democratize the the landscape so to sort it out the issues of connectivity because we have a vast majority of digital solutions supporting you know the, the processes in the built environment but they are disconnected they are fragmented they are kind of uh, not if you want to co- call it not talking to each other so what what we've noticed or IBM noticed alongside with the industry and something um, I've been passionate about this last Fred Edlund from CoBuilder is that we're missing this kind of a way where I can just plug in in a way 
and I can just use it as some kind of an exchange common platform. It's like I go to onto iOS developing app. I'm also not redeveloping the whole foundation, the infrastructure, the security bit. It's there, and there is a there is a framework, there is a uh, there is a process in order to get my app onto the app store. So something similar, but also how you think like if you think about how we bring the digitalization of the standards. So how we bring create the common technical language. So when I do use a information from a manufacturer and a and I need I, I need it just for an operation, I can rely on that information. It's verified, it's trusted. It's not just that someone put something on the internet and say, yeah, it does do XYZ, it has this certification, it's a, it's it's fire fire regulated, it's a you know it has a CE marking. You can put out there anything you want if it's not verified. Uh, and if there is indispu- if there is no indisputable record, how can you trust it? And how you, how then can you take it into various things, applications? And we're not talking here really just about BIM because I believe there's a lot of focus in genuinely on BIM. But we're talking about finance processes. You have HR process. You have you know you know you have you buy in. You have a transactional processes, and that's a part of that ecosystem of built environment. And that's what we going to do with uh, a platform called OpenBuild, uh, which has been launched it has been launched on the 14th of April, and we believe it will change the industry because it will democratize the application approach. It will enable even the SMEs to actually say, hang on, even I can maybe use an application for just sharing information. And if I don't like it, I can drop it and replace it with something else. And I don't have to uh, be a techie savvy to actually create a whole IT landscape for for my small SME company, or on the other hand, even if I'm a someone with a great idea to solve problem specific problem in the industry, uh, this will also help build that application and put it on there, on put it on the global market, and be competitive even with the with the big boys like Autodex, Graphicsoft. So I think that would democratize the approach, and that means. We believe that would open up this whole possibility to technology ecosystem, exactly. And it's not something IBM have come up or Cobalt have come up. It's really the industry-owned, the platform, the idea would be industry-owned. It's important to have a big technology company to support because what if it's down? I always say I I don't mind to use, I don't know, XYZ. I don't want to name any one provider, but what if... It's down for one day, and I can't operate my business. Are these? Are they? Are they gonna? Are they prepared for that? What about cybersecurity? All of that. Mm. So that's. I think it's important to to have that mix and to have that balance, right balance, and at the same time include regulators, include associations. So then there is that they all kind of policing each other, but that's kind of really, I believe, we believe that could change the way we work and operate in the built environment. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. So, like, how does Open Build fit into other initiatives like Building Smart's Open BIM, and is it all connected, or is it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in a way, was it another way, another disconnected initiative? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the the way we see it is because because everyone says we have Open API. That's the usual answer. Yeah, we have Open API. We can connect, but. It doesn't mean much because you can have an open API. You have still the issues around structured data, security, and someone needs to integrate the APIs. So the idea is instead of 
you always, you integrate in always with the point solutions. You just integrate with Open Build X as a connectivity platform. So like I said, it's that horizontal. So any application and you can start almost like building Legos. So you take five applications, build them as your stack, use them. And maybe you, you, you're not going to need half of the applications in two years. Cause if once you are digitized, you want to replace it with something new. Look at App Store. Five years ago, applications there are, are not there anymore, probably today. Same like today's application might not survive next five years. So I think this flexibility is, is, is very important. And also existing solutions. We also don't want to replace existing solutions like building smart. We want to augment them. So we also want the existing solutions to grow as well by maybe connecting, if I say building data smart dictionary with maybe CRM processes, you know, because, because something somewhere kicks out the process. So if I'm, if I scan a barcode, kicks out the process, I need as a, if I'm a manufacturer, if I get a notification in my system, product has arrived and automatically that can kick out another note reaction, basically send an invoice in maybe a CRM application, customer relationship management, and that sends an invoice. Right now, you do it in silos manually. You take that, you send an email, you take it, you raise an invoice, you put it into your ERP system if you have any. So that's what we're talking really. We're not talking about a BIM kind of platform replacing existing solutions. We're talking really about that infrastructure horizontal system. Um, and and it, it also needs to be cloud agnostic as, as well. So it's built on Red Hat's OpenShift technology. And, and again, that would enable anyone to take anything. You don't have to be ready to Microsoft Azure. You don't have to be ready to IBM Cloud, AWS, to basically any cloud. So the idea is really to democratize that approach. This is probably a good place to bring you in, John. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like, uh, yeah, sounds this like is, IBM uh, are about to deliver what BIM Launcher is. Um, I find <laughs> it quite interesting. You must have tons of questions. As I am imagining, based on our own product, you're going to be releasing lots of connectors for different solutions and some sort of workflow engine that would enable uh, users to create their workflows between different point solutions? Yeah, in a way. But again, even with flows, you always have a, even if you look at Procore, you always have a, you have to know a bit of a coding. What we want to also do is we're creating a, an application on OpenBuild called, uh, Open Auto, Automate, OpenBuild Automate. And basically the idea is you can take applications, create your own stack, physically stack. And then you can start creating nodes in a without the code, just basically creating node testing the flows as well, documenting them or reusing flows of others as well. So you can, you can almost create what we, what we think it's going to happen is you, you will kind of see the top industry construction flows. You would see top maybe stacks for, uh, in, industry stacks for, Brick layers, and they can start reusing it. So something like BIM Launcher would be an could be an application which would benefit probably from an integration with I don't know with microservices from, for example, Maximo or microservice from um, an, an, another another software vendor. And yeah. at the same time, and do you, do you understand what BIM Launcher does? Well, yeah, in a in a in a high level, I was just looking at that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we're a data integration platform we connect with any provider just like OpenBuild. 
So if we were to connect with OpenBuild, we would start by normalizing the data belong to the different providers that we're connecting with, like Procore, Autodesk, um, Oracle Aconex. And we would need to communicate through some interface so we can speak to all of the providers that you guys offer and, and vice versa. Do you have an API? Um, is it a, you know, is it an event based API, for example, where you can publish changes in your respective providers out to our system and vice versa? Yeah, yeah. So we want we want to have also for the for the vendors. So for example, we we plan to work with even like SI and 3D Repo and some others, uh, and and not not just the the ones you mentioned, Aconex, PlanGrid, uh, Autodesk, and I can see you have some. The idea is we also bring in, uh, for example, you bring in applications which are non say finance applications. You bring in uh, maybe SAP Aribus applications as well. So you bring in in a also backend processes. And processes, yeah, exactly. So what what we what we want to do as well, say, there will also be an environment for DevOps, so you can actually see testing, pre-testing uh, APIs, automated documentation using GraphQL to to understand what's what's happening before it's deployed, testing it, but also offering it to containerized and deploying it in different different cloud environments and managing it from one place as well. One thing that's really interesting is this idea of, you know, this DevOps kind of environment where people can spin up their workflows and try them out maybe on test data from different providers and, you know, ultimately try to create their own backbone for the application stack that they're using. What is the monetization model that IBM is using? Are they, are they having a two-sided marketplace where developers can come on build these workflows that um, essentially create a connection between different providers and they can sell those workflows um, as applications. Would you share a bit about what OpenBuild is going to look like on its release on the 14th? Yeah, on, the, on, on what one thing as well is on the 14th, we launch in the brand. There has been work going on for a while. And what we also want to do, we also want to create different research groups as well. So there is a, there's an open build platform and we also been developing some flagship applications like around called open build product. So we want to put out there a simple application where manufacturers can start structuring the data and verifying systems and structuring data, making them interoperable. I mentioned the automate application. I also, yeah, answer to your questions about the DevOps. Yes, the idea then is that the DevOps can start using OpenBuild platform where the core of that is OpenShift, where you can start yeah, using, I mentioned, testing the flows before you deploy them by yourself. And the idea is, again, you should not need to go to consultants. It could be done by even businesses if you want to test flows between applications. And what we envisage as well, that there could be a a new business opportunities for these flows that someone could start automate flows, which makes sense. I mean, we've looked at probably about 12, 1500 flows. You can just name it like that, but probably some of them would not make sense. And you want to also start learnings, applying AI and learnings from which flow works, don't, don't work and get that feedback and start standardizing, like I said, creating almost standardized stacks. And last comment is as well, OpenBuild platform is not owned by IBM. OpenBuild owned, is owned by an OpenBuild as an entity which is owned by the industry. So IBM is a service lead 
provider for that with Red Hat and CoBuilder. So that's, again, the, the main difference. There is a clear split between industry and the technology because we believe that industry needs to own the industry and industry platform. Do you say industry can own the platform? What does that mean in real terms? Who, yes. who owns the entity? Is it a not-for-profit? And it, no, 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 no. One thing I must say, it must be a business model. In my opinion, all these attempts of kind of free non-profit is failing. It might, there must be a business model behind it because everyone must benefit. I believe even the users must benefit from it in a way. And it's owned by players like Semex, Eden Network, Icebucket, Element Materials Group, Soul Services, so the idea is it's owned by different industry players, which they sit on the board, having each one board on the board. And then what we also want to look at is how you can open up almost like a, a some type of class shares piece. So then even any, even I can buy maybe a stake and be a small owner of a of an industry platform. So it's a really kind of rethinking project. It's, it's it will have lots of challenges, and I can tell. We've had challenges even agreeing that stakeholders to work together. So we had to also be very mindful of that, uh, that it's not a business platform for one specific business. It needs to be seen as a, this kind of industry platform. And we don't expect to be one. I'm expecting, if you look at other industries, you have iOS, Android, you always have two, and then the rest kind of builds around it. So, yeah. so is there going to be some uh, governance committee, if you like? So it sounds quite similar to the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. The representatives appointed from different organizations to a board, and you guys govern this ecosystem in which you come along and stamp your open build stamp on at the end of the day and and that's what provides the value for yeah absolutely uh, there, there is there's going to be governance so we foresee in there will be governance governance related to because you need technical development constantly because that is something it needs to be going you know you need to be still ahead you need a governance related to market some kind of marketing integrity obviously the cyber cyber security legal there will be a um, what we also envisage have an advisory board as well, uh, where we invite we would invite associations, European associations, to be part of it as well. So yeah, so we expect and it'll be governed by. I always call it like a triangle where you have industry, technology, and then you have the industry bodies or the associations and standardizations kind of governing each other. And there, and there, and like I said, with a business model at its heart, it needs to be a business model because at the end of the day, you need an investment of tens of millions or maybe close to 100 millions to organize to make this happen. And you, and you can look at similar examples in the past. You can look at, for example, RSBN, the responsible source in blockchain network, is, a, is, is, a, is an example. TradeLens is a good example in logistics industry for a platform for logistics with similar problems. And what we foresee in is that there is an interest from other industries as well, like from oil and gas and other industries about this approach, democratizing approach of, of open build. Just to bring the subject to what we're interested in yeah, about innovation, it sounds like open build will be a great place for innovation to happen, particularly if you're an SME and you haven't got the resources to invest in complicated infrastructures and everything, and you, you can come along and build small solutions, point solutions, you know, but do it in a way that's not disconnected from the way everything else works. 
Is that what you see? It's like a, it'll become like for SMEs who are trying to make things better with an innovation mind. Mm. Is it a, is a, is it a sandbox mm. to develop ideas, test ideas, and then take those ideas and scale them? Yeah, absolutely. We we have right now even a, an an ISV type of program. OpenBuild has a for, for for kind of startups, and we have some already some really exciting stuff which is coming around, especially generative design around really using learning AI, using AI, using learning from market pricing, from reuse projects, and how you can learn from projects. And, and start looking at adjusting your, for example, your project flows as well, how you can analyze marketplace. So we have these different startups. I mean, from one is from Japan, one is from Slovenia, another one is from US. So it, it is, again, I think what we're trying to do is to bring that in on a global scale. The other thing I want to do is sort of bring into the conversation was let's not forget about people and you know, the digital competence of the market, let's say, because you know, obviously, what you're talking about there in terms of APIs and testing and developing, yeah, that, that relates to a very small group of people. But the vast majority of people that are operating in, in the construction sector need to raise their competence in this digital game. And maybe to talk just a little bit about the IBM Industry Academy and the work you're doing there, helping to do that. Yeah, I mean, we have, we do uh, a quite, I mean, quite a lot on that, obviously not data around understanding the data, what is data. I mean, example, the plain language guide for manufacturers is supported by IBM, something the the academy is, is passionate about on really bringing things into a plain language, so bringing it into the, the SMEs, into the, the masses for them to understand. So there's there's quite a lot of work which has happened, not just in construction, manufacturing, but engineering, but also oil and gas, oil and gas, um, telco. You look at the work which has been done around the work around, for example, the weather company, how that is being used around what's, what's been done around COVID as well. So there's quite a lot, a lot is happening. And we normally, my focus is obviously around built environment, but I can tell you I'm being tracked a lot into oil and gas chemicals. So the kind of the chemical petroleum industrial product governments who kind of, um, yeah, we talk to the people on the ground and uh, and it's very important to actually give them something in plain language. So mm-hmm. hence my, back to my comments about the plain language guide for manufacturers, I'm even thinking doing something plain language guide for housing associations as well, you know, for for for, for kind of, these type of actors to understand the benefits. And I always say it's not about the technology. The technology is support. It's, it's about to understanding, you know, understanding value, value data as an asset, information supporting it. And then when you understand that, then you pick and choose the technology. Mm-hmm. But you need to have a, you need to be free to pick and choose it, not to be forced and pushed. And I feel there is a lot of this has been going on in the UK, lots of actors being pushed and forced to use certain platforms, technologies, because they've been scared uh, to miss out if it was BIM level 2 mandate or anything like that. So I think that didn't help either. I suspect that most people would understand the benefits of digital transition. Everyone's experienced it in their lives in, in almost anything, in the way your banking works and the way you yeah. watch TV now and the way – yeah, so it's – yeah, I don't think that's really the problem. I, the understanding of the benefits is probably, in my mind, is not the problem. It's, it's the competency. When, when people have been working in a job for the last 20 years and doing things in a certain way, 
how can I say this? You cha- change management. You yeah, you change. well, you're comfortable. Firstly, like even yeah. though even though you know it's wrong. I mean, most people when you talk to them, they know it's not perfect <laughs> the way things are working. Yeah. It's they, they'll be quite happy to complain about the way things are working. But but when you when you have to implement this change and that becomes hard because now you have to learn something new and that takes time, it takes effort, it takes commitment. It, it might mean you have to change your mind about certain things. So I was wondering in the academy, I mean, is anything interesting coming out in the way people learn? Like in, traditionally you'd send people to school and then you'd send them to college and you'd, then they might do an apprenticeship program for couple of years you know, and work side by side with someone. For, but we just don't have the time for that way of learning now. What are the new emerging ways of gaining competency that, that you're seeing in some of your programs? Well, well, if I, if, I, if I take the example of myself, when I joined IBM, I obviously knew about technology, but then I probably would not know as much details around you know the the cloud hybrid cloud the different topics like so so i really had to go through and that's something i like is that there is a way you can access the different i don't want to call it training courses but you can access the different knowledge and as when you need it and how you need it and in what format you need it and then you can get onto real life projects that's that's something when I experience getting onto working with the guys from Shell and some implementations and how they do, that's, that's kind of how you learn. You don't need to have a university degree for that, but I think it's going to help you. And then, then how it's combined with then the, 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 the theoretical part with the practical part. I think that's something IBM is kind of, and, and also with obviously Red Hat now being part of IBM, Red Hat's been, known for that uh, kind of uh, way of working and the kind of different innovation spirit as well. So that's, but, but again, it's, it's all about, yeah, having the, uh, I guess it's all about having the opportunity to, to kind of do the practical part as well. And I think that that's probably is a struggle. And I see that that's quite a lot of struggle with the lots of standardization, which, which coming out, it takes years to come out the standard and then it's not been even tested, uh, you know, in practice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's an area where technology can help because, you know, like John and I have spoken a number of times about things like no code or, you know, just kind of drag and drop applications with Mm. people that Mm. don't have a a coding background can sort of take blocks of code and string Mm. them together and see what Mm -hmm. happens. And is there another. That's where I've I've been in. Yeah, that's where I've been impressed with the work with the team who's working on actually open build, looking at what, how they work and uh, kind of imagining it, imagining it how the, the kind of non-developers could start working in this way and start really dragging, dropping things and testing before it's deployed. Does it make sense? Gives you the answer. So you don't even need to know the code to be able to, to do that. Or I quite like the, the way also when you, can work with how you teach AI, how you work with Botson. That's also quite impressive as well. So, so, so the interfaces, I think, to make it easier for for people to start using it, I think that's that's a key. I agree. It's it's, it's like with anything. It just needs to be in a in an accessible and plain language, and you need to be allowed to test it before bedding into some kind of big agreements, which it's very difficult then to come out of. Can I ask there, Paul? Because the open build 
project um, brings a visual programming interface um, with yeah. it. Uh, can I ask, is that built on the IBM Node-RED project or is it a we're custom? Trying to, we're trying to even simplify make it even simply simply yeah. simply than that and what we what is what what is it it's it's open built is within is built on openshift within red hat's openshift within ibm cloud but it's basically again it's not very new to using using the ibm's products obviously sure. at all and yeah and the idea is we build also an environment where you can actually do do the things in the background yeah absolutely and and test the flows and test the applications and like i said it's it's probably going to take us another i reckon another four to six months to get it into production that's one thing as well we want to i think we want to also engage like i said with the market to also get it tested with the market so we post press release we plan to have a different user groups so we plan to have an infrastructure group where we bring in maybe hs2 you know, we bring in Asfinac, uh, Statsbig, some of the infrastructure providers. We bring in some architects providers, manufacturers, and really, and really having, having like, having sessions with them. And because that's one of the things of the agile approach to make sure you, it, it fits, but and same for the developers. So we have these ISVs and we've discussed, I mentioned some of the, the guys we've talked to, like aside 3D repo. We would love you to have John as well and bring the ISVs in as well. So what is it benefit from you? What, why is it benefiting to you? What is, and, and, and you almost do it that way. You map it out and then you come out of that and say, okay, these are the top three, which I can benefit from and grow my own business. Mm. And how does this relate to, I know you were involved in the DigiPlays project, which was a, a European research project to establish a framework architecture for a digitized construction market in Europe. If, if, is that a good description? Yeah. 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 You know, um, and, and obviously that framework had in mind that in the future that would develop into some sort of digital platform that would streamline the sharing of, of information across the European market. Is, is that connected to the work you're doing? Yeah, it is an aspiration because obviously yeah. they present in a reference architecture. So we we kind of want to make sure we tick the reference architecture boxes, and we it's almost like going to be platforms of platforms, isn't it? I see open build as a, like a network, so someone can take an open build, kind of containerize it, and create their own vertical for a national platform or a create a circularity platform powered by open build. And, and, and you kind of start creating, it's like a network, network effect, a network of networks. And that, and that should then leave enough for the, the leverage for the players they operate in this network as well. Because yeah. I think again, the governance so, is, is important that they kind of keep look, looking at each other. Like the project sounds very similar to a project which was at the core of one of my old startups, Jenka. Um, so we built a platform of components that ran on Kubernetes and anybody could pick and choose the server they needed to build their own stack. Um, we coupled that with a marketplace um, in which people could build and deploy on our platform. We had services to manage all the things that were necessary on or well that you would see as part of a project management environment, such as, you know, the con you know, we had a user service, a team service, a project service, a model service, service, etc. And our challenge was at the time we went to market, 
we had no developers in the market that could actually piece together these services mm-hmm. and build on top of them. And um, why do you think it's going to be different with Open Build? Well, 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 well. There is, there's, there's the difference between the classic Kubernetes and then having an environment where. For, I don't want to, again, do kind of a sales pitch, but where you have OpenShift, where you have an environment already which is much simplified, where you don't need the developer skills, that deep developer skills. So so that would be a big, big difference. And I've and, and I seen it myself when we onboard a new developer with a like a junior, they'll get up to get up to speed very quickly in the project. And same, I've seen it when we presented it to some of the stakeholders, they could see themselves working on it. When we showed them, you just drag and drop this, and then you just you just basically, this is how you test it, and they're suddenly looking at it, how it's all testing without really having the, the DevOps, deep DevOps skills. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's one thing we've, we've thought about it as well, because you're right, yeah, there is a genuinely, there is a shortage skills of developers, DevOps, genuinely. Um, so... Yeah, that's one of the things as well. And, and especially on the node thread is also simplified, but you can simplify it even further. Yeah. So are you using node red at the core of your workflow automation and you're simplifying that or are you rebuilding? Uh, it's, it's part of it. Uh, it's part of it. Yeah. It's not at the core, but it's part of it. Yeah. And also some, the, the way we used some other, other tools, uh, I, I, I can, Send you some details, but yeah, it's simplifying it. One thing as well, what we're trying is to almost get the best out of the different different tools available. So we're not trying to replace, but make it best out of it, and and also create you you create like a backend DevOps environment, but also front end, so the user interface, user experience is also much better as well. So what does the future look like for an architect like me? Like in, instead of spending my time drawing door schedules and which which are not going to be used at the end of the day will I be dragging and dropping door and window information from manufacturers mm. websites on the platform and I guess coming up with designs and I mean I always see an architect you have an architect who has uh, some know-how about and and feeling about the building isn't it you don't want to there's a there's a one way we have a mainstream housing but you also don't want to end up in living boxes as well so on the other hand, you want to rely, you want to have that information by click of a finger. You want to be able to see, I don't know, certain door types with uh, maybe even bespoke ones. You want to be able to ask for a bespoke door uh, or sets of doors because that's what your project requires because there is still something we call architecture which needs to probably be still cherished in my opinion. And then, but on the... On the on the on the kind of you want to call commodity, you want to be able to see that to f- fulfill your requirement in one place, but not just see the information, but trust that it's been verified that information is structured, and you can just simply do it in one place, as simple as I don't know, I always say Booking.com, where you book a hotel, you put your requirements in, and you get that just just like that, and you can make a decision what you want to do with it, how you want to use it, where you want to use it, and at the same time you want to be if I'm a small manufacturer, I want to be able to showcase my capabilities as well. You know, if I have a, some unique product, unique system, unique service. So, yeah. Very good. Paul, we've come up to the hour and you've been doing some exciting stuff and we really look forward to this launch next week of the Open Build project and, uh, and all that work you're doing. Is there anything else you wanted to share with the community before we go? 
no, I, I would say my again my last comment would be I always say that is uh, technology is there to support us it's not to replace us but also we need to before you jump on technology just make sure you know your business you understand what you need it for because I see a uh, several times businesses just do use technology because it's in like blockchain is in smart con you know and all these smart contracts and then what we normally see is eight out of ten sort of the projects are not suitable for blockchain and so it's really understanding the business having things like data strategy maybe understanding you know speak to communities and then make the decision, you know, how that technology make your life easier before you jump on technology and try to shoehorn it to your business. Yeah. That would be my message, really. And treat data as a as an asset. I think that's that's the key, isn't it? Absolutely. John, do you have any final questions or comments? No, no final questions. I wish you the best of luck, Paul, with the, with your platform uh, release. And yeah, I look forward to seeing it on in the market. And um, yeah, it's a long, a long journey ahead. So I'm sure we'll have lots of time to uh, converse around the progress. So yeah, thanks very much for your time and coming on and sharing with us. I've really enjoyed it, and I'm sure the community will be really appreciative of it. Looking forward to putting this out to them, and so that they can hear more about the open. Open build platform. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for and your time. Paul, from, from my side, I just want to thank you for your time. It's been really interesting. It's fascinating work you're doing. Do keep the community engaged. Maybe some posts about how they can get involved with the open build project when it's the right time. So thanks for your time, and we're sure we'll be talking again. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, take care. Have a good day.